Okay, this is review number two in this uh, series known as the Catholic Chronicles. The author, once again, is uh, Mr. Keith Green. And the title of uh, Catholic Chronicle number two is called The Sacrifice of the Mass, Jesus Dies Again. So before I uh, dig into this track, just let me give you a little preface to what we're dealing with. The uh, Roman Catholic Mass is the very center of uh, what we would call the Roman Catholic Gospel. And what I will be dealing with today is the fact that uh, the Roman Catholic Mass is totally unbiblical. And this is what Keith brings out in this tract. I will address uh, certain uh, spots within this tract, and I'll quote from some other sources. And uh, I want you to know I am a former Roman Catholic, so I've attended... Uh, tons of Roman Catholic Masses. I know what I'm talking about regarding the Mass. So it's very important for you to understand uh, the point I'm trying to make here today. Folks, this uh, teaching of the sacrifice of the Mass uh, in and of itself makes it a false gospel. And that's what you're going to learn here today. So let me start in here. I'll quote Keith Green, very beginning he says, in Chronicle 1, we thoroughly examined the doctrine of transubstantiation, its history, practice, and real meaning. But we have waited for the second article to answer the question, why? Why must there be present in the Mass the literal body and blood of Jesus? What purpose does it serve? Now, that's a good question. Let me stop right there. Very good question. You know, like, what is the purpose of this whole thing. That's what Keith is asking here. Back to what Keith is saying. He says, the answer is found in these startling words. The sacrifice of the Mass is the same sacrifice of the cross, for there is the same priest, the same victim, and the same offering. Now, let me quote to you uh, again. This is from the second page uh, of this fold-out tract. Keith says, and in the words of Pope Pius IV, I profess likewise that in the Mass there is offered to God a true, proper, and propitiatory sacrifice for the living and the dead. And that came from the fifth article of the Creed of Pope Pius IV. Now the word uh, propitiatory, uh, Keith has a little uh, footnote at the bottom here. Uh, the meaning of the word propitiatory, conciliatory, to soothe the anger of, to win or regain in the goodwill of, to appease, placate, or make friendly, to reconcile. And that's from Webster's New World Dictionary and Harper's Bible Dictionary. So right off the bat we see, uh, this is my commentary, that the Mass is described as a propitiatory sacrifice and it's not only for the living ladies and gentlemen it's for the dead so these masses is very important for you to know that the roman catholic mass is said by a roman catholic priest not only for people who are alive but it's said for the dead now that's heavy stuff folks you find nothing uh similar to this <clears throat> excuse me being preached by the apostles of Jesus Christ. Nothing remotely close. And Keith goes on to say here, this is the incredible truth. The Roman Catholic Church 
believes and teaches that in every mass, in every church throughout the world estimated at up to 200,000 masses a day, that Jesus Christ is being offered up again physically as a sacrifice for sin, benefiting not only those alive, but the dead as well. Every Roman Mass is a recreation of Jesus' death for the sins of the world. Not a symbolic recreation, but a literal, actual offering of the flesh and blood of the Lord to make daily atonement for all the sins that have been daily committed since Jesus was crucified almost two thousand years ago. And that's uh, quoted from the Catholic Home Instruction Book number three, page 90. Folks, this is, this is unbelievable stuff here that we are reading in Keith's uh, tract. Let me continue what he says. That's why the elements must become physically Jesus's body and blood so that they can be once again offered for Sin. If I might clarify what is being said here by Brother Keith. Folks, this Roman Catholic Mass, it is a sacrifice according to the Catholic Church. And they, they are declaring that it's important that it becomes the body and blood. Okay? It's a literal, actual offering of the flesh and blood of the Lord to make atonement. Do you see, folks? This, they believe in the Roman Catholic Mass that, that this is an offering, folks. You, you don't find this. You know, I, I speak as a former Roman Catholic. When I was born again of the Spirit, it comes through the preaching of the Word of God. We are born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. It is a spiritual seed. And this is according to the Apostle Peter, folks. Very important that you see we are dealing with a counterfeit gospel. We are dealing with a false gospel when we deal with the Roman Catholic Church and their teaching on the Mass. Let me continue. Uh, what Kate says in his tract, the Holy Eucharist is the perpetual continuation of this act of sacrifice and surrender of our Lord. When the Lord's Supper is celebrated, Christ again presents himself in his act of total surrender to the Father in death. And that's from the Spirit of Jesus, pages 89 and 90, the imprimatur by John Joseph Cardinal Carberry, Archbishop of St. Louis. And that's a footnote that Keith has at the bottom. And uh, the reason we bring these things out, I, you know, I do that in my writings too. The imprimatur is basically a, an approval by the Roman Catholic Church that the doctrine that is found in certain documents uh, is in agreement with the doctrine of Rome. So that's what that's declaring there. So, so what you're hearing me speak today, folks, is from their own teaching. And, and um, you know, as I said, you know, at the beginning, folks, this in and of itself makes the Roman Catholic gospel a counterfeit gospel. And as, as I say over and over, this unity that you see taking place with Rome, folks, uh, I'm, I'm warning you today, uh, don't become involved with it at all. Okay? Now, Keith continues, He offers Himself continually to the Father 
in the same eternal act of offering that began on the cross and will never cease. The Mass is identical to Calvary. It is a sacrifice for sin. It must be perpetuated to take away sin. The Catechism of the Council of Trent required all pastors to explain that not only did the elements of the Mass contain flesh, bones, and nerves as a part of Christ, but also a whole Christ. Thus it is referred to as the sacrifice of the Mass and as a renewal of the sacrifice of the cross. So. You see what's being said it's over and over again. They believe that it is a sacrifice. So now, uh, in this next part, you know, uh, the title here in the next part of the tract, it says, The Council of Trent on the Sacrifice of the Mass. Now, please pay attention to what is being said here uh, in this Roman Catholic teaching. And I say this because we're going to look at now a couple of what we would call anathemas or curses. These are official Roman Catholic anathemas, curses against those who would reject the teachings of Rome. If you don't believe this, then this is what they would say to you. This is mind-blowing stuff, folks. You never hear about this. You never hear the side of the story. You're not going to hear it from them uh, in, in, in the church, in the, in the modern-day church. I'm talking uh, evangelical churches, uh, Protestant churches. Uh, you, you're not really going to hear this. Very rarely, folks, uh, will you hear anything remotely close to this, okay? And as uh, the point I want to make is that during this time where you, you see this uh, counterfeit unity taking place, if they were to read some of these curses at these unity meetings, I, I would find it humorous in a way because you would have people who are major leaders in, in, in the, quote, Christian world sitting there while these curses are being read. I would like to see that happen one day. So let me uh, continue as Brother Keith says here, the Council of Trent on the Sacrifice of the Mass. As we shared in Chronicle number 1, the Council of Trent was called to clarify and standardize Catholic doctrine in response to the challenges of the Reformation. The canons on this subject passed in session 22 are as follows. Listen, if anyone shall say that in the Mass there is not offered to God a true and proper sacrifice, or that what is offered is nothing else than Christ given to be eaten, let him be anathema. So it is a curse if you don't agree with what they say, uh, that it's not a true and proper sacrifice. They say, let you be accursed. That's what that means. Let you be accursed. So... I obviously disagree with the Mass. I absolutely uh, do not believe it. In fact, I can say I know it's not a sacrifice. I've been born again the biblical way by the Spirit of the living God. So I would be under one of their curses to me, which is meaningless. It means absolutely nothing. So while others are joining in unity with this system, ladies and gentlemen, I would reject it uh, wholeheartedly, by the way. Absolutely rejected. So, very important that you see what is being said there. 
So let's take a look at another one of these anathemas here. It says here, if anyone shall say that in these words, quote, this do in remembrance of me, end of quote, Christ did not make the apostles priests or did not ordain that they themselves and other priests should offer his body and blood, let him be anathema or let him be accursed. So if you uh, do not believe that when the Lord at that Passover meal, uh, shortly before he was killed on the cross, when he was with his uh, disciples, and he said, do this in remembrance of me, when, when he had the, uh, the meal together with them. If you, if you say uh, that you don't believe that he was making the apostles priests at that time, and ordaining them so, and other priests to offer his body and blood, let him be a curse. So, uh, obviously, this, this is what the Catholic Church is teaching, uh, that their priesthood, by the way, is, is what he had in mind. Now, I, I assure you that is not what the Lord had in mind at all, folks. Offering the body and blood. So, there's another curse that would be upon me and anyone who did not uh, or does not believe that to this very day. So let's look at another one here. If anyone shall say that the sacrifice of the Mass is only of praise and thanksgiving, or a bare commemoration of the sacrifice performed on the cross, but not a propitiatory, or that it is of benefit only to the person who takes it, and ought not to be offered for the living and the dead for sins, punishments, satisfactions, and other necessities, let him be accursed. Wow. You know, it gets, it gets so deep when you, when you listen to uh, what they teach. And over and over again, I say it's amazing that you have leaders, folks. I'm talking leaders. They're all over the airwaves. You turn on your uh, television set, your Christian television set, you'll see them. And, and you'll see them joining hands in unity with the Church of Rome. I mean, just reading that one statement from the Council of Trent, I mean, if you call yourself a man or a woman of God and you can let this happen, uh, I'd have a, I would question your salvation. I truly would. I mean, this is incredible. If, if you don't agree with their teaching on the Mass, okay, that they're declaring it to be a propitiatory sacrifice. In other words, that's satisfying the justice of God. That is exactly what it means, folks. And, and, and it's saying, if you don't think that this same sacrifice of the Mass, this propitiatory sacrifice of the Mass, should be offered not only for the living, but for the dead, then you're accursed. Once again, is another curse that's upon me. Ladies and gentlemen, they offer the sacrifice of the Mass, a propitiatory sacrifice of the Mass, for the living and for the dead. Oh, yes, they do. Now, I'm going to read to you something. This is not in the tract... This is from uh, the New St. Joseph Baltimore Catechism. This is what I grew up on, folks. And uh, Lesson 27 from this catechism, uh, the topic being the purposes of the Mass. And it gives uh, four different purposes. The first regards to uh, adoring God as Creator and Lord. Second, thanking Him for His many favors. Third, asking God to bestow blessings on all men. But now watch this. The fourth purpose of the Mass. This is right from the Catholic Catechism. It has the imprimatur of the Roman Catholic Church, meaning they approve this as being official doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church. Here it is, number four. 
to satisfy the justice of God for the sins committed against him. So that's one of the purposes of the Roman Catholic Mass that we're de dealing with today. They say it's to satisfy the justice of God for the sins committed against him. So you already know that there's a curse upon you, ladies and gentlemen, if you do not believe that the Roman Catholic Mass is a propitiatory sacrifice for both the living and the dead. And they declare that this Catholic Mass performed by their own Roman Catholic priests and them alone satisfies the justice of God for sins committed against them. Once again, I say to you, that is absolute heresy, makes it a false gospel, and it's high time that the pastors who know this truth, the true gospel, to stand up against this unity, and they better do it soon. That's all I can say, folks, because what is happening before your eyes is simply incredible. Absolutely incredible what you see taking place in what you would call the church world today. So back to the tract, uh, Brother Keith goes on to say, but is this the belief of Rome today? If any be in doubt as to the modern Roman position, we shall quote the recent 1963 to 1965 Second Vatican Council. And he goes on to quote, at the Last Supper, our Savior instituted the Eucharistic sacrifice of his body and blood. He did this in order to perpetuate the sacrifice of the cross. That's from page 154, the documents of Vatican II, Walter M. Abbott, S.J. Okay, the catechism books teach that the reason the Mass is the same sacrifice as that of Calvary is because the victim in each case was Jesus Christ. In fact, they refer to the bread of the Eucharist as the host, which is the Latin word hostia, which literally means victim. So there you have it, uh, the Second Vatican Council, which took, which took place in the early 60s. Uh, they, they perpetuate the same teaching that we've been talking about. This is not an old teaching from... Um, the Middle Ages, ladies and gentlemen, this is what they teach. This is what Rome teaches. This is what they believe to this very day. And this is what uh, the modern-day evangelical and many Protestant churches are unifying with. And we're, we're, we're walking down and saying, hey, here we are, we're all brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Yeah, we may have some minor little differences, but we don't want to split ears. Folks, uh, hear me now. We're dealing with a false, counterfeit gospel that will damn your soul. And I speak, as I said, as a former Roman Catholic, I was on the road to hell. I would have ended up in hell, folks. I did not know the Lord Jesus Christ until I was truly born again of the Spirit. I came to know who He was. I came to know what He did on the cross for me. And I know today that I'm justified by the blood of Jesus Christ because of the love that He had toward me. And I give Him all the glory. I speak these words today to bring people out from the deception of the system, which is known as Roman Catholicism. So, uh, the next section here Keith has, but why the sacrifice, those words are underlined, but why the sacrifice of the Mass? So now, he goes on to say, we will now quote the Church's own contemporary literature to fully answer this question taken from the book, This is the Catholic Church, published by the Catholic Information Service, 
Knights of Columbus Imprimata, Most Reverend John F. Wheaton, Archbishop of Hartford. Sacrifice is the very essence of religion, and it is only through sacrifice that union with the Creator can be perfectly acquired. It was through sacrifice that Christ Himself was able to achieve this for man. It is only through the perpetuation of that sacrifice that this union may be maintained. What makes the Mass the most exalted of all sacrifices is the nature of the victim, Christ himself. For the Mass is the continuation of Christ's sacrifice which he offered through his life and death. Jesus then is the priest, the offerer of the sacrifice, but Christ was not only the priest of the sacrifice of the cross, he was also the victim, the very object itself of the sacrifice. The Mass is thus the same as the sacrifice of the cross, no matter how many times it is offered, nor in how many places. Okay, At one time it is the same sacrifice of Christ. Christ is forever offering himself in the Mass. Whoa! Folks, you know, let's meditate a little upon the person of Jesus Christ. Who is he? He's the Son of God. Think about that. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Folks, deity took on our humanity, okay? He paid the price once and for all upon the cross. And now, we are being told that Christ is forever offering himself in the Mass. Now keep in mind, folks, it's the Roman Catholic Mass. The Roman Catholic system makes the claim that they are the only one true church in the world. Don't ever forget that. So when you see this unity taking place, ladies and gentlemen, with Rome, Rome understands, they teach, that they are the one true church. That's, that's, that's correct. They do not believe that any other church is the true church outside of themselves. And they believe that the Roman Catholic priesthood is the only true priesthood. That is a fact. So, in the next section here, Keith goes on to say, in the title here, But Jesus said... It is finished. Every true believer loves the sound of these words. It is finished, John 19 and 30. For it is the wonderful exclamation that the Lord's suffering was finally over. He had fulfilled his mission. Jesus had lived a life of sorrow, bearing the burden of a world gone mad. He had, re he had been rejected by everyone even his closest friends. He had lived a perfect life before men and God, and his reward on earth was to be laughed at, spat upon, beaten beyond recognition, and finally nailed to a cross. But he had submitted willingly because it was the will of his Father to offer him as the satisfaction of the penalty for all the sin in the world, past, present, and future.
But here in the words of a Roman Catholic priest is the true meaning of the words, it is finished. Let me stop there. So, you know, Keith makes it clear that Jesus Christ, you know, he completed his mission. He went to the cross. He paid for our sins. And now he's going to give you, uh, quote, the true meaning of the words. It is finished. And these words are coming from a Roman Catholic priest. Quote, these words do not declare that his sacrifice was finished, but that he had finished his former normal earthly life and was now fixed in the state of a victim. He then began his everlasting career as the perpetual sacrifice of the new law. Hence, according to Rome, Jesus must be forever dying for sin perpetually. Let me stop there. Folks, I, I, I find this stuff absolutely amazing. I mean, if ever there was heresy, it's what you just heard. You know, Jesus said it's finished, but this Roman Catholic priest is saying uh, uh, that Jesus must be forever dying for sin perpetually. And that's from the sacrifice of Christ by uh, Father Richard W. Grace. Mind-boggling, folks. Absolutely mind-boggling. So let's go, uh, the next title here, Back to the Book. The Epistle to the Hebrews speaks of the once-for-all sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Not a daily sacrifice on altars. The Bible repeatedly affirms in the clearest and most positive terms that Christ's sacrifice on Calvary was complete in that one offering and that it was never to be repeated is set forth explicitly in Hebrews chapters 7, 9, and 10. Now, very uh, good reading for you, for any believer. Uh, read those chapters in the book of Hebrews. That's a New Testament book. Read chapters 7, 9, and 10, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what Brother Keith is going to be quoting from here. And once again, I bring this forward to you, that if you uh, just look at these quotes that Brother Keith uh, brings forth in his Bible tract, I mean, if you can read this, and then hear the teaching on the Roman Catholic sacrifice of the Mass, you're going to see the, the gross contradiction. I mean, the, the teaching of the Roman Catholic Mass is diametrically opposed to what you find in the Scriptures, folks. So let me quote from uh, Brother Keith what he has here. He's quoting from uh, the Scriptures here. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself, Hebrews 7.27. By his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us, Hebrews 9.12. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So Christ was 
once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Hebrews 9, 25-28. We are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for the sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Hebrews 10 verses 10 through 14. Uh, so what Keith was doing, he was taking uh, different excerpts from those chapters in the book of Hebrews to prove the point that Jesus Christ paid the price in full. He, he made a one-time sacrifice. That's the point that Brother Keith was trying to get across there. He continues, notice that throughout these verses occurs the statement, once for all, which shows how perfect, complete, and final Jesus' sacrifice was. His work on the cross constituted one historic event, which need never be repeated, and which in fact cannot be repeated. Let me stop there. So now I'm going to read... Uh, a scripture here which Keith quotes. Don't, don't miss this, folks. He's quoting uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 9. As Paul says, Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. It's Romans 6, 9. Let me stop again. Folks, that one verse is enough to shut down uh, the teaching of the Mass and therefore shut down the whole uh, Catholic Church as a, as a counterfeit system, preaching a counterfeit gospel. Christ dies no more. It's impossible. The man rose from the dead and he dies no more. It's absolute heresy to teach what they teach. Regarding the sacrifice of the Mass, absolute heresy according to the Scriptures. Keith goes on to say any pretense of a continuous offering for sin is worse than vain. It is blasphemy and true fulfillment of the scripture, quote, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. Hebrews 6, verse 6. The teaching of the Mass, ladies and gentlemen, puts Christ to an open shame. Over and over and over and over through these Roman Catholic daily masses. Not only that, these precious souls by the countless millions are being robbed. They're being robbed, folks, of the truth that they need to hear. A famous uh, evangelist by the name of Leonard Ravenhill regarding the Roman Catholic system called it the greatest forgery Lucifer ever made. And he was right. So, uh, take heed to what you're listening to today. Next section, Jesus, the only priest. Keith goes on to say, Jesus not only became the perfect sacrifice for sin, but after being accepted by God as having totally fulfilled the requirement of the old covenant, he became the mediator of a better covenant, Hebrews 8, 6. That means that Jesus is the high priest of every true believer. There's one mediator between God and men, 
the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2 and 5. Keith goes on to say, the Bible teaches that the priesthood of Jesus Christ is unique. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, because he abides forever. He holds his priesthood permanently, which means that it cannot be transferred to another. Hebrews 7, 17, and 24. So, so Keith made his point there, uh, and then he goes on to uh, quote different people. Let me just see what he says here. Uh, this paragraph, it says, This explains the great adulation and honor heaped upon the Roman priest. The French Catholic Saint J.B.M. Vianney said that where there is no priest, there is no sacrifice. And where there is no sacrifice, there is no religion. Without the priest, the death and passion of our Lord would be of no avail to us. See the power of the priest? By one word from his lips, he changes a piece of bread into a God. A greater feat than the creation of a world. He also said, if I were to meet a priest and an angel, I would salute the priest before saluting the angel. The angel is a friend of God, but the priest holds the place of God next to God himself. The priest is everything. What humiliation for Jesus Christ, the one who has been given a name above all other names. Now, once again, I say mind-boggling. Here's, here's a man, Roman priest, that, that says if, if he were to see an angel and see a priest, okay, he would salute the priest before saluting the angel. That, that, that's incredible, folks. Absolutely incredible what he is talking about here. He said the priest, he says, by one word from his lips, he changes a piece of bread into a god. So folks, you see that this is what they believe, that the Roman Catholic priest changes a piece of bread into God. Uh, you know, folks, if you need to listen to this uh, tape over and over, please do. Ch check out what they teach. Check out the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church for yourself. Compare it to the scriptures for yourself. I encourage you to do that. Next section in a in track by Keith, he says, But isn't Rome changing? Today, many are expressing hope that Rome is turning towards scriptural Christianity. They point to the many reforms of Vatican II and also to the ever-widening charismatic renewal. True, these things appear to be a positive sign of change, and many are thrilled by them, but most fail to realize that these changes are only superficial. For Rome could never reject the sacrifice of the Mass, just streamline it, enough to keep the truth of its meaning hidden. Pope John Twenty-Third made it clear that his church is bound to all the teachings of the church in its entirety and preciseness as it still shines forth in the act of the Council of Trent and First Vatican Council. Let me just stop here. Yeah, I, I love this guy, Keith Green, the way he wrote. You, you know why, folks? Because you never hear anything remotely close to what Brother Keith brought forth in this series of tracts known as the Catholic Chronicles. This guy had an insight 
and that insight came from the Spirit of the living God. Hear me now. The Lord used this man to bring these teachings forth. And, and keep in mind that these were written, I believe, around 1980. Okay? And it was a prophetic word for that time, and it's even more of a prophetic word for the time we are living in. Incredible how these uh, tracks, what they spoke, you know, it, it's, it's a prophetic word for us today. That's why I'm bringing this forth to you. Keith knew. He knew the deal on Rome. And, and he knew that they were just streamlining these teachings. He knew that they were still holding fast to the Council of Trent because Rome cannot change her doctrines. That's part of their, their uh, whole belief system. They can't change it. So uh, Keith goes on to, to say they do just enough to, to keep uh, the truth of what they believe hidden. Very well spoken by uh, brother Keith Green. So he goes on to say, It is clear that the whole of Roman teaching and belief is founded on this premise of the continual sacrifice of Christ for sin. It should be easy to see why the Mass holds such an important place in the Church's life. The Mass is the very essence of the Church. Within it, the Church's life and the Church's very existence is centered. If there were no Mass, there could be no Catholic Church. The Mass is our act of worship, an act which we know to be really worthy of God because it is the sacrifice of God's own Son. So, uh, let me skip down to another section uh, where Keith, Brother Keith has a title, Paul's Extreme Warning. Keith goes on to say, As I sat stunned reading all the let them be accursed threats of the Council of Trent, I could not help but think how their curses would not only fall back on their own heads, for the words of our brother Paul call out across the centuries. And then he quotes Galatians 1 and 8. But even though we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. King James has it a little different, which I prefer, but this is what he has in a tract. So basically... What uh, Brother Keith is saying here, in quoting the Apostle Paul, he says, there's a curse upon a gospel that is contrary to the gospel which Brother uh, Paul preached, obviously the Apostle Paul. Is the Roman Catholic gospel the same? No, it is not. Absolutely. So there would be a curse, a true anathema, a true curse, upon the Roman Catholic Gospel, without question. I've said that many times, and, and Brother Keith brings it out very well here. He says, not only does Paul warn that an authentic angel from heaven should not be heeded while preaching a different doctrine, but he gives the ultimate warning, even though we, Paul strictly warned the Galatians, not even to listen to him the chief apostle and master of true doctrine, if he should reverse himself on any of the fundamental teachings of the gospel. Do you realize what uh, the apostle Paul said there, ladies and gentlemen? He was saying, look, if, if we, 
including himself. If you ever hear us preaching anything that is opposed to the true gospel of Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. In other words, don't you dare change the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there will be a curse upon you. He says, I don't care if we do it. He says, I don't care if an angel comes down from heaven and preaches something to you. If it is contrary to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. How much more is there a curse upon the gospel of Rome and every priest that would bring forth that false teaching and anyone who follows that teaching and proposes to you that it is the true gospel of Jesus Christ, there is a true biblical accursed curse upon that individual without question and that's what the scriptures teach folks so he goes on how much more then should we reject the appalling traditions and practices of a system that is not only unbiblical but is actually steeped in mysticism bordering dangerously on the occult. Very well said. Without question, folks. Spiritism, I call it. Witchcraft. It's not the gospel. Not the gospel. Holding back the truth from the people that need the gospel. They need to be born again the biblical way, not when they're baptized as a little baby. I was baptized as a little baby. I did not know Jesus Christ until many years later, and it's only by His mercy, by the blood of Jesus Christ, Am I saved, folks? And then I was truly baptized the biblical way. The biblical way. As an adult, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. So uh, Keith goes on to uh, conclude the track. He has here conclusion, the definition of a cult. And he goes on to say, Now I am sure many of you who have been reading this might have been wondering if and when I would use this word. Today, the word cult is thrown around without much thought. People seem much too eager to use it to describe any individual or group that doesn't exactly agree with them. And I do not, and will not use the word lightly. But, as far as I can see from the Bible, a person is only in danger of being grouped with false brethren by tampering with three very basic issues of biblical truth. Number one, who Jesus is, Son of God, God the Son, creator of the universe. Number two, what he came to do, to die once for all, for the sins of mankind, then raised from the dead as the eternal high priest of all true believers. And number three, how a person directly benefits from Christ's death for sin, he is accounted as righteous through a total faith and rest in the finished work of Christ, and becomes the possessor of God's free gift, eternal life, salvation. The Roman Catholic Church has been considered a true Christian faith mainly because it is generally known that the theology is quite orthodox on point one, meaning Jesus being the Son of God and so on. Okay? But as we have pointed out in these two chronicles, they are perilously shaky on the atonement, Christ's substitutionary death for sinners. Number two, but if there is any doubt left at all as to whether or not the Roman church is authentically and biblically Christian, 
there will be a complete and thorough study of the Roman view on how one obtains salvation in our third installment of the Catholic Chronicle. So, God willing, I'll be reviewing the third one that Brother Keith is talking about. But I gave you enough today, uh, enough food, to, to uh, spiritual food to meditate upon. Uh, regarding this teaching of the sacrifice of the Mass, which I say to you today, folks, is enough to qualify it as a false gospel without question. And Keith made that so clear in this uh, Bible tract, uh, Catholic Chronicle number two, regarding the sacrifice of the Mass. And I'm going to end it right there. And I encourage you, if you need to listen to this teaching over again, please do. We're talking with some, uh, talking about, I should say, some very serious issues. Once again, be blessed in the Lord.